and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. So, welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. And welcome back to a brand new season of Seize the GM, where we try something new and fun with the loads of information we've given you over however many years it is. I don't remember that you've gone back and listened to the entire catalog. Of course you have. Oh, yes. Be prepared for a new, unique, and uh, maybe not always... it. I don't know. This this season's kind of be like the bay leaf. You don't eat it straight because it tastes like crap, but you put this into something else and you can grow something amazing. You're going to love what we do with this one. <laughs> sorry, I'm just sorry. It, it's I'm sorry. Death, destruction, war, torment, all these wonderful concepts. And we're going to make something creative out of all those ideas. And hopefully it'll be entertaining as well. Absolutely. If you are new to the podcast, aside from liking, subscribing, all that, that hoobly do you're used to, this season we are going to take a concept and build a whole campaign out around it. We're going to take what we've talked about, what we've said is, is best practices, and put it into actual practice so you can see how we would do that. If you're a patron, you'll probably get access to these materials a little bit early. There's going to be the ability to find physical copies by the time it's all said and done, or PDFs, maybe for a small fee. We do have to recoup some of the costs and, and frankly, inspiration that, that the angels will be taking away from us in this grand endeavor. However, every episode of the podcast will be free, and you'll hear exactly what we're doing and what we're thinking and how we get there. Yes. It's going to yes, be a venture. It's going to be a venture. It <laughs> is. But it's, it's quite literally, be a lot it's of going to be adventure. <laughs> so, uh, it was about a month ago we decided to, to sit down and start working on this. And one of the things that we did was we ran a poll for our Patreon subscribers. And their votes got to count for double. And then we ran the same poll on Twitter. And then it was all, when it was all said and done, we had finally come up with what we were going to be developing this campaign around. And what it ended up being was post-apocalypse. And, you know, well, what does that mean and why does it really matter? Well, and there are a lot of games and 
settings and, and fiction out there that revolve around a, a post-apocalyptic setting. It's rife with potential, and frankly, a whole lot of that potential is out there right now. But to talk about what it means to be a post-apocalyptic world, the, I, I have a couple of ideas of things that you should think about. Yeah, First, and the thing is, like, but before we get into all, one thing, everyone usually kind of thinks when you say post-apocalypse, a lot of people think Mad Max or something like that. The thing is, you've pigeonholed yourself a little bit more. There is so much more in post-apocalypse than just, you know, there's the, the stuff you would think of in a, ba you know, first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, that's because it kind of it kind of brought the genre to the forefront. But there's a lot of ways you can take it. And the uh, bits that make what post-apocalypse is, you know, don't always have to be, okay, just what you see in Mad Max. It could go everywhere. So didn't mean to interrupt your garden manger. I just wanted to make sure. It's like a lot of people pigeonhole themselves with, a co with the concept of a post-apocalypse. So, well, well, you know, it's bigger. You know, how we get there is the question. And one of the characteristics for a post-apocalyptic world is resource scarcity. You know, you're always starved for resources of some kind. There's always some limit that's being imposed because of whatever apocalypse happened to have happened. And so that's the first thing to think about when trying to ponder, is this a post-apocalyptic setting? A second point is declining tech. New tech can't be made to old standards. Something was lost in the apocalypse. For magical post-apocalyptic worlds, the magic level of the world is declining, and you can't create as powerful a thing as you used to. There's and, that. Yeah. So pretty much, you got it's a it's pretty much one and done. You're not going to be able to go out and buy a new iPhone. You're not going to be able to go out and buy a new microwave or a insulin pump. You know, you can try and jury rig it, but you're not getting, you know, microchips are probably going to be harder to make. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much left of whatever it is that matters to this story. There's and the value of it changes, yeah. too, if you think about it. You know? Absolutely. Uh, I, I like to think about some kind of exploration or re-exploration vibes are involved. The, the, you know, apocalypse messed everything up. So, you know, what's new? There's always that kind of what's on the horizon question, be it either a hopeful, uplifting view or possibly a dreaded or, or terrified view. But one way or another, there's a question of what's over that hill. And the thing is also with yeah, the, the exploration. Very much so. Yeah, exploration or the re-exploration is there's, there's kind of a – you know, if you're doing it, it's like, okay, this is pretty close to right after the right after the apocalypse, whatever the hell the hell happened. You know, not like, you know, generations and generations and generations. The thing is, it's the it, it could it can create a very unique dynamic of what once was, what will what will be, and are they going to look to try and just get back to the old status quo? Are they gonna try and make better? Is it just survival? What are they? It's like the ideal changes also comes up in that, uh, I guess, the exploration, re exploration kind of a thing. You know, it's, it's, it's where you can kind of put in certain kinds of like ideals and, and the switch from the pre and post apocalypse. That's usually where I've seen most of that kind of 
uh, twist and switch happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, something else that I kind of think of is the juxtaposition of that with feudal social structures. Something is reverting to a less democratic, more anarchic, not necessarily anarchistic, but anarchic structure, uh, something more authoritarian tends to be popping up. That seems Yeah, like warlords. Yep. That that to me seems yeah. to be yeah. part of a post apocalyptic setting for storytelling purposes. Mm-hmm. And the th- if you think about it also, it's like post apocalypse, big worldwide communications are gone. Big, you know, ship to ship communications are gone. All of, it, it's the how far can you communicate? And that now becomes your new world. And okay, how are we going to make, you know, our town, our area kind of thing? You can actually kind of sort of see this a lot in games like Fallout. But, you know, if you want to see kind of like that reversion, but you still see some of the old, you know, uh, the older kind of uh, uh, structures and certain times like, Old, old history, and you see this a lot in Fallout in Vegas, old history, you know, uh, you know, stuff that we consider history today, you know, some of those things might start making a comeback because the environment is right for it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and it's definitely a possibility. Uh, another, go ahead. I was going to say, go right ahead, Zen. <laughs> I was going to say, along with those like feudal social structures that kind of start to come back, you have these very, it, it's kind of a trope in this kind of setting, like time frame setting, is that it's usually a lot of, you know, overlords with maybe one group that's trying to stick with the old ways, you know, whether they work or not. They're trying, and that seems to be one of the things is that there's a few that are that do try to stick to the the old world as much as they can and try to to make it bet you know make a new version of that almost yeah. and it never quite at least catalog there's always yeah. well they're they're losing there's resource scarcity there's the declining tech there's they have to try to forge their own way in this new imagined world that they are in. And there's only so much that you can do. So you start to have to play with those. And and that all determines how well more, like whatever the previous time frames like governmental structures and social structures were that's kind of how you have to the closer you are to that event the closer you will see people trying to stick to the old ways because they're just trying to well if we can get through this then maybe it'll go back to the way it was and the further you get almost like a futile optimism that, that decline yeah, you have that. Well, but you also have that decline of as everything starts to go further and further down until you get to where it starts to build back up again. And it's it's that, you know, you're somewhere on that downslide. And determining where you're at on that downslide is kind of a where you need to where you need to calculate how far those those social structures and everything 
are like the previous versions. Well, and that's a really Usually. good example. Well, yeah, and, and a really good example of that is the Postman, especially the novel. Uh, a little more so than the movie, but the movie doesn't do a bad job of it either. And that very idea of you know how much do we hew to what came before and and what does that mean is something that you know absolutely is is worth exploring within a post-apocalyptic setting um it's Mm -hmm. yeah i have many things to say about this theory however (laughs) in preparation for this season each of us came up with at least a core idea or seedling from which we could build a, a, a campaign and a setting, world setting, for something in a post-apocalyptic kind of milieu. And we're going to share those with you and kind of probably briefly debate amongst ourselves about which one we want to kind of run with, but pick what the season is going to be built around in this very episode. So Zen, okay. <laughs> of course, of course, I get to go first. I paused. Okay. I gave you a whole moment to like maybe have second thoughts, and, and you didn't stop. Me. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. So mine is called Typhon. The Typhon project is one that mankind had planned to use to terraform the moon of Io. Mankind had started to terraform so very slowly, this very volatile moon. We had a number of sections of the moon that were semi-habitable to humans. Well, humans might be actually stretching that a a bit. I mean, gene writing had made it so that they were able to live there. So there's, you know, (laughs) there's that. It was kind of a short-term plan, though, maybe a generation or two, and then the Typhon Project was supposed to be brought in line. There were a few hundred city-states all over the moon, and then the project was inadvertently activated. Something happened. No one's sure since once it started, the moon underwent a drastic change almost overnight. The moon was actually declared dead by the rest of mankind since the people couldn't have survived what happened there. Now, what really happened? That, that's the big question. And was it a, the plan from the beginning? Who has the pieces that what it had been lost in this world? And, and more importantly, what has survived? So that that's the Typhon project. <laughs> I like it. It's an interesting. In, but, mm, I'll be honest. It's also scary as hell when you start thinking about greater kind of <laughs> implications. And now I'm terrified. <laughs> and I'll be honest. Io was always one of the moons that kind of scared me when I was a kid, just because of all the freaking volcanoes and all that other stuff. And it's, it's always your one. Is one going to open up underneath right. me? I mean, what do you got to think when you're a little kid, you know? Yeah. So good choice. 
the concept was that there's something going on there. And what is actually going on this basically completely sequestered moon. So, yeah. So what have you got for a concept, Jules? Uh, all right, I called it a thilia. And I'm probably butchering the pronunciation because, sorry, sore throat. Um, one of the new cradle, one of the cradles of the new civilization has reached the end of its life. It was one of a hundred ships that was sent out from a dying Earth to find new planets and keep the biome of Earth going. But as the mission went on, plagued with worsening technical challenges, the ship has to find a habitable planet in the near future, as well as protect all the various biological specimens stored on the ship. And the DNA is so fragile and exposure to cosmic radiation can introduce so many risks. So do they continue to undo the damage to the individual DNA strands as possible mutations come in, which consumes resources? Do they try and protect only the most necessary and fragile specimens, hoping that the hardier strands survive? Do they just cross their fingers and hope? Who's going to get the resources? Because if the ship crashes, then everything they've worked for is for naught. But if they don't put effort into keeping the specimens as clean as possible, you wind up in the same result. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people, it's like, I just wanted to kind of focus on the, the idea between using technology for survival and technology to move to the future. I thought that'd be an interesting kind of thing to put it out. So, but we've got Gardemanger who's yeah. usually got something really well, bloody interesting. And I can't wait to hear what it is. I, I, mine is really kind of straightforward. Borrowing a couple of concepts from things like Battlestar Galactica. I would like you to consider a post-apocalyptic game and setting on the ISS Pandora. A huge generational ship, or maybe Dyson Sphere, launched a bit before it was ready to go. The impending solar catastrophe wreaking, wrecking the planet slowly only accelerated. And before the final solar flare could wipe out all of what was left, the ISS Pandora had to be launched, taking with it what it could. Attempting to outpace a collapsing solar system behind it, Pandora makes its way through space. The different crew designations from different levels, from different parts of the ship, from command, from engineering, from life sciences, and the non-crew that were aboard when they had no choice but to launch make up different factions. The ship itself wasn't complete. The equipment clearly had not been fully installed. Repair parts are what you can scavenge from one level above or below you. You've got no choice but to go forward. Solar flare is burning everything behind you. What do you make of life in this sterile but incomplete world you now wake up in? Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. 
Yeah. Well, it's one of those, I, I wanted to find a way to enjoy post-apocalyptic settings in, in a different kind of way. And, you know, the Battlestar Galactica sort of setup hit me. And there's no reason a sci-fi post-apocalyptic story, as both of you kind of leaned into, has to be on the planet. And if I'm limiting your tech, if yeah. things are slowly breaking down, I mean, there was a Stargate series that also kind of had this same idea that if you can't go back home and you're stuck on a spaceship, things happen. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So regardless of which one we end up going with in the end, there is one thing that we should probably consider what we are going to use as a rule set for this. Because if we want to make this as something where we have, you know, a good first adventure and kind of a, a laid out arc for things, not just a, a world, we're going to have to do, we're going to have to pick a, set, a system. And I'm, I'm going to ruminate on both and all of this ideas wise and, and we'll figure. But I wanted to, to throw that as a thing that we need to consider as well. Well, I've got and... some strong ideas. It's like I, I've got, you know, if what we want to do is what we want to do, there are some good choices out there. But also, which of these three, if somehow your favorite is not picked as we mull out which one we want to do, and you happen to be a member of our Patreon, there is a non-zero chance you could request some Patreon-specific explorations of one of the other setting ideas that we do not develop in the main season. Because that's what you know, side projects, oh. series, and one-offs are for. <laughs> so join yeah. our Patreon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And engage with us if what we pick is not the one that you are the most engaged with. Because, yeah, we will... I, I would be more than happy to dive into any of these deeper and, and maybe potentially do more with any of them, honestly. So. So I like these, I like the generational ships, I, but I'm, I've always been an ARC fan. And, and I've written, if you've, if you've read, listened to any of our shows, I, I think I've done at least two or three in stat blocks. I mean, I may have done a stat block that, you know, put one of your generational ships in, the crosshairs of, of players. Um, I know. I know. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I do, I, I can work in, in arc ships. I, I'm good with, with that. So, I mean, I, mm. I like all of them, but yeah.
I mean, because the thing is, like, I, I could think of so many different ways to go with 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 all of them. It may be fun. It's like I love the IO one. I it's you know it's it's stranded, it's stranded on a strange world. What's going on? You know that it's it's and ah, but the you know on a on an incomplete ship hurling out in the middle, of, you know, nowhere, and then I I like that. just. Ah, I could think of so many different things to do with e- with uh, either of them. I mean, there's a fondness for me in like setting up yeah. some kind of a judicial structure that involves spacing people to you know reduce their drain on the resources that are limited. Yeah. Well, um, we're all trying to like which one do we pick that's not our own. Is the heart well, it's not just it's not just that though. Oh no, it, I love my like... idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love my idea. Yeah, yeah it's like I, I want to I want to write stuff with that no matter what. But <laughs> um, let's go. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast my vote for. I like the I like the DNA. Okay, how oh what? All right, hear me out. What if we took both of yours? Because they're both generational ships. And one of the parts of Pandora is the like there is a portion that has you know, is the Athelia strands from lots of things on Earth, but not all of it. Like, not enough to actually make like a full biosphere, but, but enough, enough to, to get it kind of started. It gives <laughs> it gives a chance to start something, and then between crossbreeding and some genetic engineering, and, something could happen. But well, and what if? What if they start growing things in the ship before they get to where they're going? Which sounds like an absolutely perfect idea. Boom. <laughs> I, the thing is, like, between the, all of so, us, all three of us do operate on a very similar kind of wavelength. So when we all brought this up, we all were like thinking, no, we don't want to do yeah. Fallout, we don't want to do Mad Max. And all of us are space lovers, every freaking one of us. So it was na- it was a natural thing for that to happen, yeah. but I still didn't expect it. I think the best way I can describe it is that yeah. all three of us reached into the same bag with three different facets and each pulled out a different pair. Yeah. 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 And it's it, it, like, I, it's like all yeah. three of us went with a space theme uh, rather than you know, uh, like a, a deep ocean thing, like the apocalypse happened and all we're left is, is under the ocean, like, you know, like rapture and Bioshock and the upper world's gone. Although that would be, that would be amazing. Except if you did it where everybody was some type of um, being that was able to not have to wear like a, a suit that could just actually breathe underwater. 
or but the thing is like what if they couldn't but because well, of the situation they have to no 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 but they could but the thing is like they went well, underneath exactly they, they start for, genetic they yeah. start rewriting and then it's like okay yeah. with the new genetic okay. makeup but we're not going to do that just yet <laughs> you know but you know like we like have i thought these concepts have a, for another season yeah. episode perhaps a splat book for whatever it is we are coming up with here in the meantime <laughs> you now have heard okay so we with. have we have a generational arc ship that is going to have that is incomplete and stretched out in it somewhere in there is is oh, it's, God, this, is like is the going. DNA seed vault. <sighs> Lack of a yeah. better term for it. But it's un it's unfinished, an mm -hmm. unfinished it's gene vault. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what do you do? Do you spend the resources? I like it. Keeping that pure. But how do you keep the ship running and uh, energy to keep things in certain cryo thing? You know, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of fun with that. Yeah, so yeah, choices about where the energy goes and how you spend those resources are always fun in post-apocalyptic scenarios. So I'm looking forward to see how we work with that in the upcoming season. Now, I will say this upcoming yeah. season, I do have some muggle job juggling that's going to occur, so I'm not going to be on the recordings for a little He's time. lying. He's going out on a swashbuckling space pirate adventure. He just doesn't want to make everyone else jealous. So I'm not going to be on, on the actual recordings for a bit, but I'm going to do my best to submit all of my written stuff uh, through my fellow hosts uh, and rejoin. Yeah. So we can finish it all yeah. out. Yeah, and we will keep everything up. Yeah. And the, the show notes are going to be full of of the ideas and everything else as we're going through and doing this. So if you want to see all of the stuff that we may not even get to, it will be in the show notes or at least parts of it will be. And like, if you it, want more, like you can always reach earlier, out. <laughs> well, and that was, that was one of the big things is that the Patreon backers, because of how this episode has been sponsored by tabletop.land. Not sure if you want to get into making all your own full terrain sets or scatter pieces. Hmm. Not sure you want to get into that 3D printing thing that everybody's doing for your own stuff or maybe minis for that matter even. Well, there is a new web shop that is up and coming called tabletop.land. Go check it out and see if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Or, given the time of year it is, maybe you could even pick up something for that GM of yours for Christmas. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter.
Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.